0: G'day, g'day, this is Rita Joyan, and welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast, How to Turn a Passion into a Profession. And today, you know, I have been looking at this gentleman that I've got with me on the podcast for quite some time. I've been following his work because it is extraordinary. He has taken a problem that we see every day if you ever go into a city, a major city at least, uh, definitely in regional areas as well, and if you see homelessness and you often wonder what more can be done. This gentleman here has found a solution and it's so exciting to not just talk about what problems exist in the world, but people who have actually and thought about it very differently and found a solution, their solution to this problem called homelessness. And I've got with me Norman McVillaray, and he is the founder of what's called Bed Down. And it's a pop-up accommodation solution for Australia's most vulnerable and it's an incredible charity it's an incredible project that is going on he has been the finalist for Australian of the year that's how amazing he is because he is a true blue incredible human being to do what he does because he could be done doing anything and to find a solution that doesn't require uh just to rely on the government to do something uh, to have individuals step up and create solutions that we think government should handle speaks so greatly to the the, the real the real award that was Australian year how much it was really earned by Norman himself. so Norman welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Edie, that's too kind. That was an amazing introduction. Um, I, I can live up to hyper <laughs> can live up to that now, far out. You've, no, well, uh... your
0: work actually speaks for that. So, I mean, I know that you take spaces that are used in everyday life and those spaces, you've got an idea that are used by busy people and there are busy spaces, and then they get vacated in the evenings and you decided you had an aha moment and decided, well, this could be a great solution to use the vacant spaces of an evening to go and give beds to the homeless. I mean, that idea wasn't every like it was on the tip of everyone's nose, like it was there, but you saw it. And that's what's phenomenal. And then you took, you did something about it. So could you please take me back, take us back? Tell me how did this idea even spring up?
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Rita. And I guess sometimes, just, just in relation to the comment that you said there, sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees, hey? Yeah. But, um, but I guess to set the context for the listeners of the why of Bed Down, I've got to take take yourself and the listeners back to my early childhood, and you'll probably gather from my accent, not a local boy, to Australia. So originally from the UK, a place called Coventry in central England. Uh, my mum and dad were happily married. My dad had a business. It was a shop-fitting business, carpenter-by-trade. And in his early 30s, he suffered a stroke, which left him heavily disabled. It sort of paralyzed his right hand side. His face dropped that impeded his speech. That was pretty much the end of the business overnight. My mum was a bit younger than my father at the time, and she was bringing up a very small child, which was myself. Now my dad was heavily disabled. That put a lot of stress and strain on the relationship. They separated and got divorced. And my dad found himself homeless, sleeping rough on the streets of London. And to cut a long story short there for the listeners, at the age of 42, he suffered a heart attack and he died lonely and homeless on the streets of London. I was 11 years old at the time and helpless and powerless to do anything about it. I never had that opportunity to say goodbye or, or I love you. That, that was it. He was gone. But, you know, on, on reflections and certainly over the last four years, for sure, you know, this really is. I guess a story of lost and found and my, my dad lost his life. I lost my dad. And as an 11 year old child, I think that's where the chess pieces may, may have been put into place for later on in life. Cause now here I am 40 years into the future and um, I'm not sure how, how detailed you want to go at this stage reader in terms of how it all came about and such. But obviously I started, I started this journey with bed down It'll be four years this this August. It'll be four years this August. Yeah. So,
0: so that prompted you. That what happened with your father being homeless, being disabled because of that stroke, and then you having those feelings, thinking, "What? Well, I want to do something about it." So, what happened after forty years that made you think, "I want to"? Yes. do and It didn't happen fifteen years ago.
1: Yeah. So that set the context of of the why behind that down then. Nearly four years ago, I, I was made redundant from a not-for-profit that was working in a different space. And the first thing you do when you're made redundant, of course, is apply for jobs. So I applied for a lot of jobs online, and I started getting the dear norms that were coming back, and some people weren't coming back to me at all. And I thought, well, maybe it's time for me to start my own not-for-profit charitable organization. I'd nearly worked for eight years in a senior role in, in this other charity, and I thought homelessness is close to my heart. Let me um, do some research and see what the current state, state of play is. And we're still waiting. So the, the statistics I'm going I'm to mention now for the listeners are old statistics based on the old 2016 census. We're still waiting to see what the census is for 2021 around homelessness. So the figures are way out of date, I'm about to say. But um, this is what triggered, triggered my, um, my actions. So based on the old census, there's over 116,000 people deemed to be homeless across Australia. Then of that number, there's over 8,200 people that sleep rough across Australia every night. That's on concrete, on benches, in parks, and under bridges. That was bad enough. But what really snapped my attention and got me on the hook was that of those thousands of people that sleep rough across Australia every night, there's hundreds of people will lose their life this year as a result of sleeping rough from things like been attacked, suicides, overdoses, infected wounds, pneumonia, that sort of thing. And what that actually means, as it was in 2018, as it is in 2022, this beautiful first world country we call home in Australia, that the average life expectancy of someone long-term sleeping rough is just 47 years of age. Yeah, and I looked at that and I thought, wow, my dad died at the age of 42, nearly 40 years ago. Here we are with all this technological and medical advancements yet that needle hadn't moved much so for me that was unacceptable and I needed to do something about it so the next the next part of that was right okay Norm what what are you going to do about it mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, sat, I'm sat at home and this is the bed down HQ even even to this day um, as, as we're talking today and I, I started coming up with I started writing ideas on post-it notes and sticking them on sticking them on the wall and over a few days, nothing was really resonating and connecting for me. And, and, and what I find, I don't know if your, your listeners can can connect or resonate with this, is if you're focusing on something really hard and you're trying to come up with an idea or a solution, and you're not getting anywhere, it's good to take yourself out of the boiling pot to try and clear the mind. And you know, whether that's going for a run or watching TV or meditating or playing video games, reading a book. You know, there's a there's a long list there. I thought to this, this this day to myself, uh, I'm going to take myself out for a coffee. So I took myself off to a local shopping centre. And look, I'm not, I'm not a religious person, but I don't know if my dad was looking down on me this particular day or the planets, the planets just aligned. I pulled into this shopping centre here in Brisbane and got into the car park, opened the car door. And that's where the light bulb moment happened for what would be combat down, because... For whatever the reason, for that time of day, the place was empty. So I saw this big empty vacant space. And I thought, wow, I wonder if anyone's doing anything in, in the likes of car parks. So I got all excited and um, went and grabbed a coffee, rushed home. First thing I'd done was then Google, you know, is any homeless shelters, car parks? Couldn't find it. And I was like, right, okay, cool. Uh, then the next then the next thing I was doing was then, okay, who are the, who are the car park operators here in Australia? I reached out to to one particular, which is the largest car park operator here in Australia, and they they sort of resonated with the idea. And um, just to set the timeline on on that, that was that was September 2018. So, um, yeah, interestingly enough, I reached out to the CEO of the organisation, and and to his credit, he came back pretty quick and said because um, I'd, I'd I'd sent him a message saying. I got this idea to help the homeless, you know. You have got all this underutilized space at nighttime. This is what I'd like to do. And he, he said, send me an email, which I did. And he came back, he came back pretty quick to his credit and said, This sounds like a great idea. And that that was the first piece of validation for bed down. And I guess something inside of me changed at, at that moment. It it changed literally in an instant. And I guess hopefully I don't sound like, like this crazy nut job now to your, to your, to your listeners. The only way I've been able to articulate it um, to this date um, until I find a, a better way of articulating it is I, I, I liken it to the, um, when you meet someone in life and you fall in love with that person, you get to that point in the relationship, you're like, ah, oh, it's time we move in together. Let's go and look at houses or apartments. And you go through all these houses and apartments and nothing really fits the bill. And then, you walk into this one place and it all falls into place it's like this is the place we're going to spend the rest of our lives together so that was it for me it reset it reset me and I was like this is my purpose this is my north star now nothing's going to stop me from making making this happen come hell or high water so <laughs> hopefully hopefully that that doesn't scare everyone off when i <laughs> just mentioned that
0: I think that's gorgeous. So you were made redundant. You were looking for jobs. Nothing was coming through. Another sign. You're thinking, maybe I should start my own not-for-profit. Homelessness was always very dear to your heart. And so trying to find ideas, you couldn't get anything. Then you went for a break to give your brain a break. And in that break is where the aha moment came.
1: That's right. It it was... um... Yeah, it was quite interesting how it all came about. You know, I was just driving, drove mm. into the drove into the shopping centre and and Bob's your uncle. There it was. It was the the idea happened there and then. Um, yeah. interestingly, from there, once I got the validation and the car park operator was on board, I was thinking, right, okay, this is this is pretty straightforward. <laughs> I'm just going to start opening some car parks. And and look, car parks is one space that's left empty and vacant and hard time. And there's there's other spaces, and we'll go we'll go into more detail hopefully, really about what Bed Down is all about and the core foundations. Shortly, but naively at the time, there was me thinking right, well, okay, this space is is a great space, and and honestly, there's some amazing car parks out there that have the most amazing what they call end of trip facilities, which are showers toilets changing rooms and the like so they have some really, really incredible facilities and I um I went to meet the local council here and, and and again just to set the timeline this was December 2018 and um I went to meet them to talk about the idea and and to talk about the issue as well because you know homelessness is an issue that's all over Australia with people in public places mm. and I thought oh in, in my mind before the meeting with the council I'm thinking ah. Oh, council are going to think what a, what a great idea this is what do we need to do to, to make this happen quickly and that was the first shock to the system because <laughs> it was a very interesting meeting where I thought I was going to meet one person it was it was seven people and mm-hmm. I found myself on the defensive for the whole meeting and they would then started talking about things like planning regulations and building code oh. and compliance
0: oh, and
1: and and all this sort of uh, technical language that i knew nothing about and um i came away from that meeting feeling a little bit deflated but thinking far out they, they just mentioned that for each development application it was going to cost five thousand dollars and and remember i've been made redundant so i've got no income oh. and and i suppose at this point as well it's worth pointing out that you know without without the support from my my wife throughout mm-hmm. this whole process i would be here sitting talking to you today because you know, the sacrifices we had to make and the support. She was the one that, that was the main breadwinner mm-hmm. uh, to, al- to allow me to follow this passion to try and help the homeless. So now um, $5,000 for development application. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd also set up a digital presence, our first digital presence on Facebook to try and get some awareness um, of what we were doing at Bed Down. And I'd set up, I set up a, um, a crowdfunding campaign on on a, on a platform called GoFundMe, okay. and I'd, I'd had a, had a target of forty thousand dollars. and I thought that would be enough to register as a charity, get a website built, legal fees,
0: mm-hmm. hire
1: equipment, buy all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. from the research that I did online. As it turned out, that was <laughs> that was way off the mark and 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 now you know development applications would become are going to become this big issue and i'm thinking far out $5000 that wasn't that wasn't even on my radar so i set that up just before christmas as well the crowdfunding campaign and i thought well this is going to go one or two ways it's the season of goodwill and giving or people are just going to be cash cash strapped because they've spent on their family and friends it was the latter and uh, got to got to january 2019 and I raised about fifteen hundred dollars, which I was extremely excited about because people thought it was good enough to actually part with a donation. But um, I had to change my strategy because that wasn't gaining enough. That wasn't gaining enough traction. So I then reached out to organisations and and my connections to say, "Hey, does anyone know anyone in in the planning world?" And a couple of people reached reached out to me and said, "Hey, you need to go and have a chat with this person or that person." And I got to meet. Uh, Natalie Raymond, who's the one of the directors at the Walter Consulting Group here in in Brisbane, which is a town planning consultancy, in January of 2019, over a coffee, and I told her about you know the the why of bed down and and what I wanted to do, and I got to the end of that meeting and she said, "Hey, what do we need to do to?" To help you with this
0: mm.
1: and i said that natalie planning <laughs> has become a big issue and she was like let us let us help you with that so that that was an um, that was an amazing because that was the start then of a number of organizations then jumping on board to, to help get behind me from everything from town planning um through to uh, building certification through to architects through to a recruitment mm. company that then funded the bed down website then through um, Dentons, which are a, a massive lawyers here in, in, in Australia to help set up the organization as a charitable organization. So all this then started to, to fall into place.
0: So this is, all before, this is all before even a bed was put in one of the premises, like all these yes. pieces, pieces had to be put together.
1: Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, one of the biggest challenges um, then as it is now is the red tape and bureaucracy around what we look to try and do because there's lots as i said earlier on there's lots of empty vacant dormant spaces all around Australia and that's everything from empty offices as a result of the pandemic and people working remotely through to industrial through to town you know through to community halls, community centers. the list is endless when you start to think of it and um, when you're taking that space and you're changing its use to uh, you know to provide accommodation for the homeless, that then triggers planning regulations and building code and compliance. So that is one of the biggest frustrations um, as it was then. And it's the same today.
0: Wow. So how long did all that process take, you know, to know, you- <laughs> until yeah. you finally got to do what you're wanting to do?
1: So, so just to set that, that context up. So we started that process of January, 2019, and it took the best part of eight months to get the, the approvals and Um, the building code and compliance component of that was the relatively easy part. It was the back and forth um, around the planning and the planning definition with Brisbane city council um, to get them to agree to allow us to go in and, and, and set up a space to get people off the street. So um, yeah, that was very interesting. And 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 I think an important part of the journey as well is once I started to get support, I started to think, well, Norm, you've got the personal connection to homelessness with your dad. But if you really want to solve and address an issue, you need to experience the issue firsthand. So in February of 2019, um, I went in, and it was only overnight, um, to sleep rough in Brisbane City. And that just set it just set me up on, on a different path in terms of, you know, until you throw a sleeping bag down, uh, Rita, on a, on a piece of concrete and you try and sleep in that environment, you soon find out that the human body is not designed to cope in that environment. And, and I did this in Brisbane CBD and, um, I lasted about five or 10 minutes because my back was in, I was, I was in physical. i tried to, i try to lie on my side and that was sore on my back. That was sore. And I remember vividly, um, sitting on the steps of, cause we found, we found a space near a Commonwealth bank building here in Brisbane. And I was looking over to, it's called Queen Street Mall, where you've got a lot of shops and stuff. And on one side, there was this person who was sleeping rough outside of a bank. And on the other side, there was this person or persons in um, Louis Vuitton. Um, Having, you know, obviously shopping and stuff. And I thought, well, isn't that an interesting convergence of where luxury meets poverty? And that sort of like burnt, burnt into my uh, soul. And... That experience cemented in my heart that, you know, and it's probably the same in your part of the world. There's a lot of services that the homeless can access during the day for breakfast, lunch, evening meal, but come 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, those people have then got to go back to that bit of real estate, whether it's in front of a shop, if it's on a park, in, in a park on a bench or under a bridge. And I thought, wow, you know, there's a gap here. There's a gap here. And um, that just cemented in my in my heart that it was the right thing that Bed Down was looking to to achieve, and that then made me even more determined to to bring to bring Bed Down to the vulnerable. And yeah,
0: mm. so it took eight months from the time of the the idea to getting the first bed down physically a bed down and having someone who needs it to be able to utilize it. Is that right? That's,
1: <laughs> That's right. It, it, it well, it was about nine months because once we got the approval, which was late late sort of July, it was then right, okay, now we need to get everything ready to actually activate the pilot, which mm-hmm. started in September, late September 20 2019 through to mid-October. And it was a two-week, it was a two-week initial pilot just to sort of test test the concept, I guess. And I never set any expectations for that trial because I was in my heart. I was like, this is the right thing to do. And I just want to get it literally, like you said, off the ground. I literally just want to get it off the ground and get it going and see, see how it went. And because we were, we a big part of the bed down model which we'll talk about is collaboration. So we'll, we'll bring in doctors and nurses and dentists and social workers and new clothing and food and beverages and, addiction services and the whole raft of operational support mm. for our guests and we refer to the, pe- the people that use our service as guests because we want to welcome people in as if they're part of a family or family friend. So I never set any expectations up and and Queensland Police Service here uh, became one of our biggest referrers for mm. people to find out where we were and, and through the other charitable um, service and partners they also referred people to us, and of course once guests came and experienced a safe good night's sleep they were then talking amongst themselves so then we we, we did get to an unfortunate situation where you've got to start turning away people because of the capacity constraints
0: unfortunately how did you build the trust to get people to come in initially like people who are homeless how do you build trust so that they know this is a safe environment there won't be any fighting or any assaults happening like did you have to convince do a lot of convincing or were they more easily no
1: no it wasn't it wasn't so much convincing people it was more sort of setting down the behavioral sort of standards of bed down so that then did build trust because we had security on site Mm -hmm. and we had what we what we have um we call our values of entry which lays out our behavioral expectations of people when they come in and we have a zero tolerance approach around that so if anyone came in and they started being aggressive in behavior or anything else we would Asked them to leave okay. so people were just grateful and very respectful to have the opportunity to come in and get a great night's sleep and and, and i guess look there's been some there's been some profound things that have happened on, on this journey and I, I think one of the most profound and, and and again it's it's these things that sort of burn into your soul um and I was, I was sort of alluding to that i never set any operational expectations i just wanted to get this thing going and i really did put to the test about the human body's made up of 80 percent water because you you do build that trust and and rapport very quickly with our guests because they're putting their safety in your hands overnight so then they will open up and tell you you know what's led them to this point in time and 99.9% of the time it's a traumatic event in someone's life that that brings them to this situation that they find themselves in this point in time but literally we we got a few a few days in into that initial pilot and I should say they this has never been done anywhere in the world before. So we were breaking new ground. It was a world's first. Right, um, oh my ac- ac- activating a, a space in an underutilized car park for the homeless to access. But literally, after a few days in, one of our guests came, came up to us. And he said the most profound words, which was, it's the first time I've had a dream in years. <gasps> oh. Yeah, exactly. That was it. I was in the corner, getting all emotional, going, oh, oh. far out. I wasn't... Wasn't expecting to hear those words, Rita. But then, once I've composed myself and pulled myself together, it's like, come on, Norm, pull yourself together. Um, when I reflected on that, this is a person that out in the concrete every night, sleeping with the proverbial one eye open yeah. in fear of either being attacked or having his belongings stolen or being moved on mm. to come into a place that he felt so safe and so comfortable. That he got into such a great sleep that he started to experience a dream for the first time in years. So that was that 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 was an emotional hammer that hit me very hard. Sure. And 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 from there it was just one thing after another. You know, um, we had a female guest as she was able to get a great night's sleep in a safe place. She went, she got a job, and she would come up to us and say, "Hey, can you wake me up at four thirty in the morning so I can get ready to go to work?" Oh. and Another, another male guest, after a consistent period of a good night's sleep, he uh, booked himself into rehabilitation so he could start to get his life back on track. Mm. So we had some amazing media around bed down um, on the run-up to the pilot and then during the pilot, which sort of gave us national and international exposure.
0: How long did the pilot go for?
1: It was two weeks initially. it was two weeks
0: and how did you get your train of thought how did you get the beds and the bed sheets and all like where did you source all of that
1: (laughs) so so we're very fortunate we've got a very passionate community on our social media platforms so we would we would put out a wish list on on social media and people would buy bedding that that support with the the, the mattresses so we were using inflatable mattresses and um, queen size everyone had a queen size mattress so they could literally you know spread out and getting it was all about comfort and providing as close to a proper bed as possible so yeah great community um, through our social media platforms and um, we had all this amazing media around bed down and we got to the end of the 14-day the, the pilot and we were like right okay let's leverage this now because we've proved we've proved it's it, it's successful we've proved it can work let's leverage all this positive media around bed down and go and ut- utilize it as a fundraising strategy. So just to set the... T- so we're talking November. We're talk- so we're talking around November 2019. And as you were talking about earlier on before we started recording this session, when you were saying, oh, ever since like November, December 29, yeah. then of course it was droughts, it was bushfires, mm-hmm. it was floods. And then as we went into 2020, it was a global pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, that derailed us. That derailed us for the best... The best part of, oh, what would that be? So from 29, from November 2019, and then we recommenced April
0: 2021. Wow. For,
1: for an extended trial at the same car park. So we came back, we wanted to come back bigger, badder, stronger for this pilot. And, and before I go into that, yeah, before I, I keep. To, is there any? Is there any other questions you no, want? Oh, I don't, I've got
0: plenty of questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm very conscious, Rita. Once I start talking about bed down, I'm that that's it. I'm I'm just off and running. But um, we came back for this eight week extended trial, and and before I go into that, look the, the, the main premise of bed down is to really challenge the way we look at existing infrastructure across Australia mm-hmm. that's left empty and vacant and dormant. To activate that into a safe, secure, comfortable shelter for the homeless to access um, a range of services, but most of all a good night's sleep. And to use that as a platform to change people's lives Mm. and save people's lives, which all starts with a safe place to get a good night's sleep. And and Bed Down is is, is primarily been built and and constructed on these three core foundations, which I'll, I'll go through these very quickly, but I just want to make sure that we cover them off. The first one is we believe everyone deserves a bed to sleep. So in 2022, no one should be sleeping on a piece of concrete, Mm -hmm. on on a bench, in a park, or under a bridge. Sleep deprivation is a massive issue for people that sleep rough. And that then drives both physical and mental health um, concerns. So providing that safe place to get a good night's sleep, we believe everyone deserves a bed to sleep in, first and foremost. The second core foundation is actually the most important one. And it's about repairing the quality of life, before building a life of quality for our guests. So what does that mean? So if we chop it in half and look at repairing the quality of life of our guests. So as I alluded to earlier on, we collaborate with a lot of different charitable organisations and service providers. So we'll bring in doctors, nurses, dentists, social workers, food and beverages, laundry, new clothing, hairdressers if you've got hair, addiction Mm -hmm. services. That looks to restore dignity, respect, self-esteem and confidence back to our guests. Mm Building a law for quality is okay, how do we help this person from their current situation into a longer-term solution? And what does that look like? Education, training, employment, rehabilitation, or um, yeah, or a combination of all those factors. We get someone into a long-term solution, means they're not coming back to bed down, which is absolutely incredible. And then that let that leads into our last core foundation, which is the big hairy, audacious vision of bed down for a bold fella. Which is to expedite the end of bed down. So at some point in the future, we drive and put ourselves out of business. Now, mm-hmm. when I say those words, I'm not naive in the fact that you don't just flick a switch and that's it, you sort of you end homelessness. And certainly here in Australia, it's it, it, it's grown exponentially. But that's the drive and determination from day one is to help transition as many people into a longer term solution as possible. And I think a good a good anecdote. To, to to prove that concept is the story of one of our guests from our last trial and and in terms of expectations this this doesn't happen for everyone on their first night mm-hmm. but it just shows what we're looking to try and achieve this was an exceptional set of circumstances for this fellow i'm about to mention so one of our guests ben he reached out during our last trial and he he said through facebook it was it was through facebook and he said hey, hey i believe you guys have activated a a homeless shadow in a car park where is it i can't find it so i went back to him, I was like hey ben this is where we this is the address and this is where we're at but we're we're at capacity tonight but if you come back tomorrow night around seven o'clock this is where we are and this is how we expect you to behave with our values of entry and so he was like yeah i'm just looking for a safe place to get a good night's sleep and um, for a few nights i was like great and i also said ben what's your background mate because one of the services we have come in is a recruitment consultant where they can help with resumes and interview skills and that sort of thing. He was like, oh, my background's warehousing, supply chain logistics. I was like, oh, awesome. I'll see you, I'll see you tomorrow night. So the next night rolls around and as he was coming in and the first part of our process at that time was the temperature checks
0: because Mm -hmm. of COVID. Mm -hmm.
1: I said, Ben, this is probably gonna be the best night you've had in a long time because tonight I've actually got a company here that are looking to recruit people in warehousing supply chain logistics do you want to have a chat with them and he was like hell yeah and he goes you haven't got a dentist have you as well I went, he, I went actually we have there's a dentist on site tonight as well so he came in he met with that organization called quality foods and we we flipped that recruitment on its head as well because they came in with no no prejudgment they wanted to interact with our guests and people that they thought would align us nice to that they their organisation they would bring in for an interview. So they brought Ben in for an interview. They employed him. He got accommodation. And then he was given a promotion to a team leader position. And this is someone that had been on the streets for two and a half years.
0: Oh, my dear God.
1: Now, in, in terms of that set of circumstances, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty extreme, because that all lined up for him on that very... It just mm. Everything just lined up for him. But that I think that just demonstrates what we what we try and do with Bed Down. He's now moved in into another position with another company. He's met a young lady. He's in love and he, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, and and what I should point out here and I, and and I think it's probably a nice just just to how that all then mm-hmm. comes full circle. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned in the introduction, which was very kind and gracious of you, about the nomination for the Australian of the Year, mm-hmm. and when I. I, I, I catch up with Ben, even still to this day, just to, regular, just to see how he's going. And I, I called him, it was November last year, just to check in with him. And he picked up the phone, he went, hey, Norm, how are you going? Congratulations on being nominated for the Australian of the Year. I went, oh, stop it, Ben, you're going to get me all embarrassed. He went, yeah, me and some of the other guests nominated you for that. And that was it, I lost it. That was me, I was in the corner again. I was like, oh, because... <sighs> Because that 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 means more to me than anything. Yes. Now, I, I I never I never progressed in the in
0: yeah. in the
1: Australian of the Year thing, but that in itself that these guys mm. and girls went out of their way, mm. who 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 were our guests and put me forward. Even I'm going to get choked up now just thinking about it. Um, meant meant more to me than anything. That really took me by surprise.
0: Norm, how well do you sleep at night, knowing that what you do is I, is an essential. Is oh God, is the domino that pushes down every other domino for these people who are so neglected and so needed that it helps their life just flourish. How well do you sleep at night now, now, doing the work? Oh, that look, you do?
1: I, I think I'm I, for, for me. I'm my my mind's always always going in terms of what can we do next? How how do we improve? Um, I do sleep. I do sleep, but then <laughs> there's, there's nights where um, I know what sleep deprivation is like as well yeah. Be- because, you know, the mind, it's hard to turn off the mind sometimes when you're certainly when you're thinking about the vulnerable people. And, 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 I, and I guess it, a lot of this, this journey, you know, it's about lost and found, as I mentioned earlier, and, and losing my dad and my, my dad losing his life. And then all these years later, me, me finding this opportunity – to, to help people and 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 reconnected with my dad mm-hmm. as well you know part of this journey and i'm sure he walks by my side every day and i'll try not to get emotional talking about this but i don't think i've ever felt as close to him as i felt over the last four years you know through this journey oh that's it's been um yeah he's been there
0: that's 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 remarkable that's really remarkable Norm. you know um there's so much to ask you, but this is just extra, well, like I said in the beginning, extraordinary. When you have a team of people that help you, I wanna talk about the logistics of all this, how this all this takes place for someone who's listening and who has an idea or wants to optimize an idea that they already have. When you say you put the beds down in uh, empty spaces, whether that be in a car park, whether that be in a hall, whether that be whatever empty space there is, when how much of a team effort, how many people are needed to put the beds down and then for security to exist in the evenings and then in the morning to pack up everything so that the space can be used for whatever it's supposed to be used in the daytime?
1: yeah look that's a, that's a great question and and, and, I, and I guess one, one of the car parks are great spaces, but one of the one of the one of the issues around that is the logistical effort that it it does take for that setup and the pack away. And we would we're fully staffed overnight to watch over our guests as well. so you're looking at sixty people across a 12 hour shift for that operation
0: Oh my goodness
1: yeah and and, and a lot of that activity is on the front end mm-hmm. and the back end a lot of that to do the setup and then the pack away the next day so so from that perspective now we're, we're in terms of the bed down model moving forward we're kind of like as I said earlier on, car parks are great venues, but because they're obviously utilised during the day for car park spaces, if we could get a car park space where they they said, "Hey, you can have that bunch of spaces over there," go and you know, do your set
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, That would be great. And never say never around car parks. But now, really looking at more spaces that are empty and dormant that we can get a twelve month tenancy agreement on, set up the beds once. Uh-huh. And then all you've got to do logistically is change like, the bed linen and so on yeah. and so forth. Um, that then that takes a lot of the logistical effort aw- away from the actual process of setup and, and you're not packing away mm. as such. You're just mm. changing the bed linen on a, on a, on a regular occurrence. So yeah. so, yeah, just changing that model that way because it's very, very challenging for the setup and the pack away. And certainly when you're in an environment where you've got to wake the guests up at sort of five in the morning to then get them up, get them ready for the day, get them a coffee. Then you've got to have a a big pack down process for everyone to be out by 6am as it then returns to an operational sort of business. So um, very, very challenging around that that respect, but still very, very worthwhile when you're changing people's lives and saving Mm. people's lives by providing that safe place to get a good night's sleep. But really then sort of stepping outside that kind of environment, to the, all the other different empty, vacant environments that there are across Australia, mm-hmm. and then having more of a permanent setup over a, mm-hmm. a longer period of time.
0: And so, in terms of for so this is whole operational thing, and obviously you're looking for longer tenancy so that you don't have to pack up. You can just, and then obviously they can get a longer sleep should they need it. That all comes into play. How hard is it? Is it hard to find something like that? Is it been easy? Is it been just? There's no spaces available? Like, no, uh, of-
1: look, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's lots of spaces available, uh, Rita, all over the place. And, and, and look, we're in the process of actually, um, we're, we're in the process of setting up our first female-only venue. Oh. That'll, that'll, that'll get going in the next few months. Yeah. And it's, that'll be what we call a bed-down mini venue because it's a smaller site. And we'll probably be able to help up, up to um, 11 vulnerable females a night in, in, that, in that site. And bringing the services wrapped around. But there is a lot of, there's a lot of empty space all across Australia. The problem, there's a number of different problems. There's, it's interesting because I I do think empty office real estate is a massive opportunity Mm
0: -hmm. as a
1: result of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But the problem, the, the problem with that then becomes the stigma and the judgment around homelessness. If you've got an empty space in a in a in an office block or an office building
0: yeah.
1: and you've got tenants in that building, <laughs> there's um my in, this is my personal opinion, there's we want to help the homeless so as long as it's not on our doorstep kind of attitude. Oh, okay. okay.
0: okay. Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: So there are those challenges mm. and stigma, stigma and, and judgment on people. Is very much, very much there in Australia and, and in society, and probably the same in other parts of the world as mm, well. Of course, yeah.
0: Of course. And,
1: and you know, one of the superpowers, and this was one of the, my experiences from from going out overnight, sleeping rough in the city, is the superpower of invisibility, because you have people dr- drifting by you, thousands of people mm-hmm. daily, and if they look at you, they look at you like you're a piece of dirt that they've they've treaded in. And, and and pardon my French, it's almost like, you know, why don't you get off your ass, you're lazy, so-and-so, and get a job. Whereas if that person or persons that have took time to engage with that person they're walking by, to understand more of what's led them to that point in time, they would probably be quite shocked to hear the traumatic events that have occurred in, in that person's life that's brought them to that point in time
0: that's amazing so you you've got bed down in brisbane do you operate in any other australian city
1: no look i'd love to bring bed down to as many people across australia as possible um but that's going to take a long long time i'm hoping and certainly with this new site that we're we're looking to activate for the female only venue that yeah we want we want that to open up doors for other sites for bed down across australia but more so I'd I'd love I'd love other people and other organisations to be inspired by what we're trying to achieve with Bed Down, and then look at it and go, oh, look, that organisation they've done stuff in car parks, and now they're doing stuff in other spaces. You know, we should be doing that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and certainly with the crises, you know, here in here in Queensland, New South Wales, as a result of these natural disasters like floods, you know, we already had a rental crisis, which was putting stress on 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 the market, and you know all these other people now through natural disasters are looking looking for rentals while their properties are either you know rebuilt or, or renovated. So we've got a massive issue here in Queensland, as they probably have in the in the northern part of New South Wales. So when you've got all these empty spaces all across Australia that can be acted activated for safe places for people, it it really does seem like a no brainer for me. And, and what really frustrates me, and I'll keep my, my language um, in, in check, is that, you know, the, thing, the things that really annoy me is, and as bad as it is with these, disasters, these natural disasters, literally overnight, these places will be popped up as evacuation centres for people to go into.
0: Yeah.
1: Yet we have this national emergency day in day out and we've got all this empty, vacant space that could be activated so certainly things need to be challenged and and done around the planning regulations, certainly around humanitarian
0: do you have to go to the politicians and ask them to like can you just do something can you put a word in can you put a legislation in yeah just- yeah I've
1: I've, I've spoken in many different environments and forums to you know to try and get getting the word out so you know you, you've just got to keep chipping away at, at it you know until someone either has Someone high up
0: hmm. has a
1: has a has a light bulb moment one day, thinking, "Oh, we've got all this issue around homelessness. I mean, we've got all this empty space. I wonder why we haven't done anything in empty spaces." And then I think the penny will drop, and we'll see, we'll see what happens from there. But um, yeah, look, I would love to bring bed down to as many people as possible. Certainly, um, we're in Brisbane. There's a few opportunities um, popping up, <laughs> so to speak. Pardon the pun um in queensland northern queensland in cairns we're talking talking about an opportunity there mm-hmm. also it's interestingly enough ever since i've started this journey on bed down and social media a lot of people saying well what what about the churches you know what about churches and stuff and, and a few churches have actually started reaching out now to see if we can do something there so you know watch this space on that that's very that's very early days mm-hmm. but hopefully yeah the more spaces we can activate and and hopefully inspire others to act the bigger impact we can have on, on the issue.
0: Excellent. And so in terms of, um, I want to just dive into this while we've got the chance, um, funding. Are you funding, you, I know you funded it in the beginning yourself and then you got help, people pro bono doing work. Now that it's a functional charity, is it government help? Is there, are you selling something to be, make ends meet for this, for everything to come together? What's going on with funding?
1: Yeah, good question. So we get no government support. For what we do,
0: you get no government um, support.
1: No, no. So most of our funding comes through three three channels at the moment, which is the general public, um, corporate, and a bit of philanthropic support as well. One thing I should say actually is we've recently just um, joined another another charitable organisation called In Community. They're based out of Ipswich here in Queensland, and they've been going for nearly forty years now. Um, that's good because I go from an organization that's me, myself and I in a lot of respects to an organization which has the infrastructure, the gov- you know, the larger corporate governance and is connected into government also. Um, but more, more so is what, what they bring in community to strengthen the bed down offering because they do mobile outreach, they do case management, they, they do a bit of crisis accommodation for youth and they have the Tenancy Skills Institute, which is around tenancy education for people on how to be, how to be good tenants and keep tenancies. So that that wraps around a whole another level of um, offerings for Bed Beddan, and then we complement in community in terms of what we're doing on the front line with those that are that are sleeping sleeping rough. Their funding model is primarily through government. Our our funding model is is. Primarily been through, as I said, the general public, um, bit of corporate support, bit of philanthropic support.
0: But how do you possibly? Because I'm, I'm just curious, Norm. How do you then project that you're going to do these services for the next twelve months, fourteen, whatever it might be, and not knowing how much money is coming to that? How much? How many security guards you need versus you know how to pay yourself? You know to be able to do this because you have to live.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I, I am fortunate now to get a salary, and I'm I'm paying my way. Like my wife's thankful for that. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's all about that pre-planning, you know, how much, how much money have we raised? We've got to do fundraisers mm-hmm. to help us. When we, we are very fortunate when, you know, when we start new sites, and I think this female venue will be the same, is already we, we have people and organisations wanting to come in and support financially and in kind to help with a number of different things. So it, it is something that seems to resonate a lot with the general public and 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 the corporate and philanthropic community as well, because it is quite an innovative way to look at space and utilising it for good when it's just lying there doing nothing at the moment.
0: When you go to corporate sponsors, are you doing presentations to them saying, this is what we do? How I do a happen? lot of
1: talk. I, I do a lot of talking, yeah. I get invited to it. I do a lot of things in schools as well, because I want to inspire the next generation of change makers that are coming through, because they're very... They're very socially conscious. You know mm-hmm. they're the ones that are going to drive the climate change, you know the social issues that through through homelessness and so on and so forth. And they'll be the ones that join the corporate community in the future and will then really set the agenda on on corporate social responsibility even further, I believe.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. And so do you think um, what's interesting to me is that you did so much of this before being registered as a charity. And that people were willing to talk to you and give you a hand before being registered. Do you think yes. the fact that because that's a big deal because nobody knows if this is going to really happen? Are you going to take it seriously? Is this just something a little gig you're doing on the side to you know to occupy yourself? I mean, is there a what would you I guess what advice would you give to someone who has an idea? Is not registered. The charity or the idea is not being, you know, set in stone, but needs people's input to get to to the next stage. I mean, is there any advice you'd give to how to get people to trust? Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. For
1: for for me, I mean, it was all about getting the idea validated first and foremost. And once that idea was validated, I I guess that that switch in me that was my driver, determination, tenation, tenacious tenacity to actually get in front of people and 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 speak to them about the idea and put across the idea and and the other thing with with bed down was when i was thinking about what am i going to do to help the homeless it needed to be something that was going to you know have a meaningful impact and it wasn't going to duplicate and replicate all the other services that were out there so it did need to be something that was going to be different and and that's where i was you know struggling with the ideas on the post-it notes and then it all sort of it, it, it came about so then you couple couple the idea with what is driving you what what are you being driven by is it is it coming purely from from the heart that's driving you that's not because if if it is nothing will get in your way
0: mm-hmm. to allow
1: you to to do what you need to do and there's been it's been a roller coaster journey and there's been many brick walls that i've hit and they hurt they bloody hurt. Um, but you've then, you then got to like step back from the wall and go, right, how do, how do I get around this? Do I we go around the side? Do I we go over it? Do I go under it? Or do I try and go through it somehow? And, and who do I need to get in front of to, to get the support for me? And it, you know, the whole, you know, what's that old saying? You know, growth, growth comes from outside of comfort zones. And you really got to push yourself out of any particular comfort zone that you, you may, you may have be in or may have had and sort of push push yourself to the limits because it, it it's been something that's been all consuming for me mm. all consuming for the last four years yeah. and even to this even to this day now you know um and all the emotion behind it and I, I, I and it depends what's driving the, the person's idea as well if they've got an emotional connection mm. to the idea or or whether they it, it's something that they clearly it just, it just feels right to them and it's the right thing to do and they're being driven intuitively. Um, a lot of emotion that I've, I've faced throughout this journey, I, I take that emotion. As, as I said, all those tears through those different trials and stuff, whilst, whilst it's upsetting and, and sometimes I'm in awe of what I hear, I use that emotion to drive me forward mm-hmm. to the next site, to so helping more people. So it's utilising your emotions as well to your benefit.
0: Awesome. When you take a look at what you're doing right now, and you see obviously your input into helping homelessness, what other issues do you think are pertinent right now that are not being solved in society?
1: Around homelessness.
0: Around, not just homelessness, but any other issue that you see. If somebody could just take this idea, this problem, and build a solution for. Like, is there anything that you see now that you're in the space of homelessness, that you're in the space of the nonprofit running your own, in society generally speaking, even outside of homelessness, is there any problems that you see that a solution, a good enough solution, hasn't been developed? A or B, there is no solution for it, that I,
1: I, I, Look, I, I think over the last sort of few years, without without shadow of a doubt, the climate change is something that needs to be addressed pretty quick. I think, and it. There are there are people trying to champion in that change, but it's not happening fast enough. And I don't think it's getting it's getting the credibility that it deserves. We all think, oh yeah, climate change, it's it's getting warmer or it's getting colder. And then all of a sudden we've got all these natural disasters that are occurring more and more frequently. You know, these one, once in a hundred year things are now becoming once in every few years. Mm. So if if that's not if that's not telling you that we need to do something about it pretty quick, we need we need to do something about it pretty quick. So I think innovative ways of um, controlling climate change is something that needs to be done. I think there's still a lot, a lot needs to be done in 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 the homelessness space. I think one of the things I'm hoping, um, that I'm hoping for in Brisbane, you know, we're we're very fortunate here in Queensland to be hosting the 2032 Olympic mm-hmm. Games, and I, I, I'd like to see. Queensland, Australia, be, you know, lead the world in that because normally what you find is that homelessness is an embarrassment to the host nation, who whoever's, you know, hosting the Olympic Games. And what they do, because the world's media attention mm-hmm. is on, on on that city or that area for a few weeks, is that they ship ship out the homeless mm-hmm. from the city and put them somewhere else. And then after after the Olympics is gone or whatever, they, you know, they start to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really flipping that and, and really making a massive social impact. We've got, we've got heaps of time to put the right planning in place and really look at it from a social inclusion perspective and really look to include these people um, from an employment perspective and then through to a legacy perspective into you know, social affordable housing. I mean, and the social affordable housing is, is a massive issue and it's going to be here for a lot, a lot longer yet you know, females over the age of 55 are the fastest growing demographic of homelessness here in Australia. And, and, you know, you've got people who have got jobs, couples, families, individuals that are sleeping out of cars at the moment that can't, get in, that can't get into a home or they're getting evicted from the home because the rent's gone up by $200 a week and they can't afford that. And then, you know, the landlord's looking to capitalise while they can, it's supply and demand. So I think there's a lot that needs to be done in the homelessness space and um, in, into the future. And obviously the climate is a big is a big concern as well.
0: Okay, Excellent. all right. Well, what I wanna do really uh, briefly now, Norm, is to take it to a rapid fire round.
1: Which oh is- no, rapid fire, <laughs> let me see how we go on that.
0: <laughs> which is just a series of questions. The first qu- the first answer is the right answer. So whatever comes to your mind, just yell that out because that's the one that's speaking to the most. So you ready? 40, 42. <laughs> 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 okay. Do you prefer texting or talking? Texting. Awesome. A high five to that. Easiest part of running a charity?
1: Easiest part of running a charity, job satisfaction. It, it, it counters everything,
0: oh, yeah. all the okay. frustrations. Hardest part about running a charity?
1: Uh, red tape and bureaucracy, and for a small charity, obviously getting funding.
0: Mm -hmm. what's the best way to find partners and collaborations
1: reach out to your networks and go and find the people and get in front of them
0: what do you believe that others think is crazy
1: I believe we've got a lot of empty space that can be utilised for good Mm -hmm. not everyone agrees with that (laughs)
0: yeah
1: that's why they think it's crazy.
0: Yeah. What's your personal greatest lesson that you've learned throughout your journey?
1: Well, that's a good question. I don't know if that's a rapid fire response, though. Um,
0: I suppose a quick version of that is where there's a will, there's a way, and what
1: you can achieve from nothing.
0: Mm, okay. What's given you more opportunity? Who you know or what you know? I think it, I'm on the fence on that one. I think it's a combination of both. Okay, Okay. all right. (laughs) If you weren't running bed down, what would you be doing? That's, a, that's one of those sliding door moments isn't it you
1: know what if the door if the door slides what what would that look like i think i i think my my pathway would lead me to a humanitarian okay.
0: awesome awesome and what's the best way to spread the word about charities and the work that you do in projects like what's the number one go-to marketing to spread the word oh
1: look i've, I've I guess, I guess for me, I've, I've documented the whole journey through social media, and I, that that seems to have worked very well for us. So any any meeting that I've had or whatever, I was always, well, let's get a selfie, and and so and it, it it's consistency as well. It's mm. consistently it's consistently about showing showing that, and people then they like they share, then the word starts to spread. Um, so organically, we've you know. We've managed to spread the word pretty well. And we've had some amazing, as I say, uh, media around Bed Down with the likes of Channel 7 and podcasts like this mm-hmm. to spread the word.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: all, all, there's a number of different facets there. But, yeah, it, it's all interconnected.
0: And lastly, Norm, how do you want to be remembered?
1: I just, um, I guess, you know, Norm... Norm's just an ordinary dude is just trying to make a, a difference to people's lives by looking looking to change their life and save their life by providing a safe place to get a good night's sleep. And if we manage to, you know, if it's just one person or 100 people or more, that that would be amazing.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. And lastly, what's the website that people can find out more about Bed down?
1: Yeah, super easy. So uh, beddown.org.au. So that's B-E-D-D-O-W-N.org.au. You can go on there, you can donate, you can send us a message, whatever you'd like to do.
0: Awesome. Norm, thank you so much for this incredible, insightful interview that you've given us. We really appreciate you, your time, your effort, and your mostly, mostly, Norm, your vision, your absolute tenacious vision. That has allowed something like this to be created and number two for allowing us to be inspired by the trailblazing work that you're doing so thank you so oh, much
1: no, thank you Rita for the opportunity to to talk about what we're trying to do at Bed Down I really appreciate it thank you
0: mm-hmm.